Hey, are you looking for a way to level up your live streaming game on Mac? If so, you need to check out Ecamm Live, the ultimate live streaming and video production studio for Mac users. With Ecamm Live, you can easily stream to all your favorite destinations like Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, and more. You can also add multiple cameras, do screen sharing, add animations, effects, and overlays to make your videos stand out. And you can even invite guests to join your live stream using Ecamm Live's video interview mode. Ecamm Live is the best way to create engaging and professional live streams on Mac. And the best part is you can try it for free for 14 days. Just click the link in the description below and get started with Ecamm Live today. Trust me, you won't regret it. What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode 48 of the FanCast Live podcast. I'm yours truly, Giancarlo, your host. This is a New York Mets baseball edition of the FanCast Live podcast, so we're going to be talking a lot of Mets baseball today, and I'm going to give you my first impressions thus far in spring training. First and foremost, let's start with the New York Mets rotation who last week got some bad news as far as Kodai Senga is concerned. He had a strain of, a moderate strain of the posterior capsule in his throwing shoulder. He's going to be shut down for at least three weeks. I heard that he received a PRP injection, I believe yesterday. A PRP injection, for those of you who don't know, is a uh, platelet-rich plasma injection which is supposed to speed up the healing process hopefully in three weeks when the Mets reevaluate Kodai Senga they'll get some good news to where he'll be allowed to pick up a baseball and start throwing again if that's not going to be the case he's going to be shut down further to where he'll miss even more time but until uh, we get the news in three weeks we can't say for sure when exactly Kodai Senga is going to be back. The Mets are hoping for the beginning or middle of May. Other than that, as far as the New York Mets pitching rotation is concerned, obviously with the Kodai Senga injury, everybody moves up a spot. Luis Severino, Adrian Hauser, Shomanaya, three guys that the Mets have brought in as either free agents or trades this season are going to move up. They were going to be a mainstay in the rotation of uh, to start the 2024 season. Then obviously you had Jose Quintana coming back from last year. So now that means that that fifth rotation spot is open. It was open in a way where Adrian Hauser and Tyler McGill were going to be competing for that last, last spot, but it looks like now Adrian Hauser moves up to that four hole, and now Tyler McGill moves up to the five hole with Jose Buto and Joey Lucchese being the depth left for the New York Mets. David Peterson is obviously out until at least June, I hear. He had hip surgery done in the offseason that requires him to rehab until May or June, so we probably won't see him until the earliest um, 
beginning of June, mid-June, maybe after the All-Star break. Who knows what the status right now is on David Peterson. We have heard that he is ahead of schedule as far as rehabilitation is concerned. So that can only be good news for the New York Mets. As far as depth is concerned, um, we've already mentioned uh, Jose Buto and Joey Lucchese and David Peterson. The only other depth right now probably would have been Max Cranick, but he's gone down with the hamstring injury. I, I believe he left yesterday's game with the injury. He's going to start the season on the IL. How much time he's going to lose, we don't quite sure know yet. We don't know what the extent of the injury is, if it's a, a minor strain, a moderate strain, or a severe strain. Until we find out, we don't know how long Max Cranick is going to be out. So that means that the likes of Mike Vassell, Christian Scott, and Dominic Hamill are probably going to be the guys that the Mets would turn to if needed. But while we're on the starting rotation, obviously now with Kodai Senga gone, you, you have to wonder who is going to be your opening day starter. The Mets obviously starting at home this year at City Field. This is going to be the first time they start at home in quite some time. So who exactly is going to be the guy that starts opening day? That's still pretty much up in the air. A lot of people assume that Jose Quintana, the only guy now left on this roster uh, in this rotation that's coming back from last year, you would assume he's the next guy up and he would be the opening day starter. But I would have to pump the brakes on that one and think that maybe someone else might be that guy. Tyler McGill has been there before. You never know. He could be the potential opening day starter again this year due to the injury to Kodai Senga. Again, it's still too early to tell. And then you have Luis Severino, who I think may be that guy. He's a guy who's been an ace before, uh, a, a guy that's had electric stuff in his career. I know he struggled in 2023. A lot of people think he was tipping his pitches, which is the reason why he struggled. Hopefully, Jeremy Hefner can get that situated and fixed. And maybe if Luis Severino has a good spring training, that we might see Luis Severino start opening day for the New York Mets at City Field. Adrian Hauser obviously is another guy you can look at, and uh, Sean Manaya is the other, but again, still too early. Uh, everything we've seen so far has been, you know, a sample size. But if I was to talk about one particular pitcher thus far this spring that's impressed me, that has to be Tyler McGill. And the reason why I say that is because he's pitched five strong innings, giving up one run, four hits, and seven strikeouts, and he's walked absolutely no one in those five innings worth of work in spring training thus far. He started that first game of spring training against the Cardinals, and he pitched yesterday, uh, I believe, yesterday against the Houston Astros. So, so far, if anyone has impressed me the most in this rotation, has been Tyler Miguel. Adrian Hauser had a pretty good strong outing in his first uh, first time out, pitch going two innings, giving up a hit, 
a walk and one strikeout, giving up no runs. Jose Buto has been pretty strong in spring training thus far. We, well, I know Severino was going today, and if I saw correctly, he went two innings today, giving up a hit and striking out one, walking nobody. That's a good sign for and a good start for Luis Severino this spring. Uh, I don't know if we've seen Shawmanaya yet, and if we have, uh, he's pitched one or two innings. I didn't see the stats on him, but so far the one guy that's impressed me has been Tyler Miguel, and it's the one guy that I was hoping would have a strong spring because, quite honestly, I've looked at Tyler Miguel as the one guy that I feel could be a mainstay in this New York Mets rotation for years to come as your fourth or fifth guy. And with the strong showing so far in spring training, Tyler McGill could finally be on his way to proving that he could be a mainstay in this New York Mets rotation starting in 2024. The bullpen. The bullpen is obviously something that Mets president of baseball operations, David Stearns, has focused on this offseason because of the New York Mets rotation. I say that because you don't have your Max Scherzers and your Justin Verlanders anymore in your rotation. So you're going to be um, hoping that the likes of Luis Severino will give you six-plus six innings. Adrian Hauser will give you six innings. Shomanaya will give you six innings. Tyler McGill will give you six innings on a consistent basis. If they give you more than that, even better. But the bullpen was something that was focused on this offseason because you, you have too many ifs in this New York Mets rotation right now. And with the loss of Kodai Senga, that makes that bullpen all that more important. You have Edwin Diaz coming back this season after missing out on 2023. You guys remember he had that freak accident at the WBC where he hurt his leg, required surgery. He was out for the entire season. He could have come back probably in September, but the Mets probably felt that it was in his best interest to continue rehabbing and continuing to prepare for 2024 and probably advised them to just stay out the remainder of the season and he did he did just that and he from what we've seen so far uh through spring training and prior to spring training we've seen the videos edwin diaz looks like he's fully back from that injury that kept him out in 2023 then you have adam Adovino and brooks Raley, your right-handed and left-handed setup guys in this new york mets bullpen they're a fix. Um, they're going to be relied on to bridge the gap between uh, starting pitching, middle relief, and Edward Diaz. I think those two guys had tremendously good seasons last year. I can't see them uh, doing anything different this year for the New York Mets. Then you have Drew Smith, who is one guy the Mets have kept around uh, from last year. The Mets are really hoping that Drew Smith finds himself and that he becomes a relief pitcher that they were hoping he would become. He's a hard thrower. He's got multiple pitches. He can come at you strong, but he's had too many inconsistencies in his 
uh, performance thus far as a New York Mets relief pitcher. The Mets are hoping that he changes that in 2024. Jorge Lopez, a guy they uh, brought in, in on a minor league deal in the offseason with an invite to spring training. He's a guy that in 2022 performed very, very well between Minnesota and Baltimore. They're hoping that he finds himself again and becomes that pitcher of 2022. He struggled in 2023, but he's had one outing so far, and a lot of Mets fans weren't very impressed giving up a home run on the first pitch that he threw. But he finished strong in that inning, getting, I think, two or three strikeouts. So it's a sample size. The home run is going to happen. He was throwing fastball, hitters looking fastball, took him out of the park. It happens. It's spring training. It doesn't count for anything. The important thing is that Jorge Lopez finished strong the remainder of the inning and didn't let that home run on the first pitch affect him in any way. Then you have Jake Diekman, who they brought in as a free agent. He was the second left-handed guy that they were seeking to add to this bullpen because they felt that Brooks Raley all by his lonesome as a left-hander in that bullpen last year, wasn't enough. They needed another guy. Jake Diekman is going to fill that hole that the Mets uh, needed to fill as far as being a left-handed specialist. Then you have competition for that last and final spot in the bullpen, which a lot of people think is going to go to uh, Shintaro Fujinami. But Fujinami, I don't think he's even in camp yet. I know he had some kind of issue with the visa, with his visa. He had to go back home to um, attend to that. I don't even know if he's back or if he's even even in camp or if he's even started throwing yet. I don't know what's going on with him. I haven't heard anything. So if anything, right now, the guy that's probably moved up ahead of him is got to be Mike Tonkin, who has pretty, has pretty much had a pretty impressive spring training thus far. So... Unless Fujinami can come back and show that he can win that uh, that final spot in the bullpen in a very short time, I think Mike Tonkin is going to be the guy that the Mets bring up to City Field opening day as part of the 40-man roster. Then you have the likes of Sean Reed Foley, Phil Bickford, Reed Garrett, Josh Walker, Grant Hartwig, Kyle Crick, Austin Adams as guys that are going to be competing for that last and final spot. Most of these guys are probably going to end up in AAA as guys that the Mets are going to rely on as uh, depth to their bullpen in case of either injury or anybody struggling. And then you have a guy by the name of Nathan Lavender. Now, if anyone besides Tyler McGill has impressed me this spring so far, Nathan Lavender has got to be one of those guys because he has been lights out in every single one of his outings thus far. He's a left-handed specialist. He's been, a, he's, I believe, a triple-A or double-A in the Mets farm system, but he's been very impressive thus far. A lot of Mets fans feel that he should win a spot in that bullpen heading north to City Field for opening day. I don't think that's quite going to be the case because the Mets already have two guys inked in as um, their two left-handed specialists in this bullpen already. So Nate Lavender might be a guy that you may see at some point during the course of the season, either because Brooks Raley 
or Jake Diekman get hurt, or if one or the other struggles and they need somebody else to come up and fill the shoes, Nate Lavender is probably going to be the guy they call up. But until then, Nate Lavender is definitely someone we'll be keeping our eyes on. But as far as making the opening day roster, I don't think that's quite going to be the case. But definitely, definitely something positive uh, to take out of spring training camp so far. The everyday lineup. Obviously, most of this lineup, if not all of it, is already uh, put in stone. Uh, you have Francisco Alvarez at catcher, Pete Alonso at first base, Jeff McNeil at second, Francisco Lindor at shortstop. Then you obviously have the competition going on at third base between Beatty and, Yen- and Vientos. Quite honestly, I think that Mark Vientos has been thrown in the mix as competition at third base only because they felt that it would push Beatty to um, perform better, you know, put a little pressure on him. But I really don't think that Vientos should be part of the third base competition. I don't think he's that good of a third baseman to be thrown in that competition. But this is what the New York Mets wanted to do. They wanted to put apply pressure on you know, Brett Beatty, and they're doing so by having Vientos compete against him for third base. Now, neither of which have impressed this spring training. Beatty is one for 10. Vientos was two for 10 coming into today. I believe he had a home run against the Cardinals and one of his two at-bats or maybe even three at-bats. So he had uh, a home run and an RBI. But other than that, he was 2 for 10 coming in, so he hadn't impressed with the bat either. But that's what it is. It's still early in spring training. Again, it's a, a small sample size of what's been going on in that, during that competition at their base. But don't be surprised, uh, and I'm just throwing this out there, don't be surprised that if Beatty and Vientos continue to struggle with the bat specifically, that the Mets don't throw Joey Wendell in the mix for that third base job. Just saying, just throwing that out there. Vientos had that home run today, so hopefully that will stir things up for Brett Beatty, who now is going to start getting desperate with Vientos having that home run and he being 1 for 10 thus far this spring. So we'll keep an eye on that. Then in the outfield... You have Starlin Marte coming back from an injury play 2023. He's going to be the X factor for the New York Mets this year. He's the guy that pretty much set the stage for the Mets, uh, specifically if he was in the, in the leadoff spot in the lineup. He's a speedy guy, great defensive skills, great skills with the bat. He can steal bases. He can play good defense. He's a good leader in that clubhouse. Most importantly, he needs to stay healthy. That is the most important thing for the New York Mets. So don't be surprised if Stalin Marte doesn't play the field every day, might get a few at-bats at the DH position and get some rest and have somebody else play right field. In center, I was kind of surprised by this in the offseason. I wasn't surprised that the New York Mets signed Harrison Bader I was surprised that once spring training started, 
that Harrison Bader was named the everyday center fielder for the New York Mets for 2024. Brandon Immo has been, I think, an above-average center fielder for the New York Mets in the last couple of seasons. I think he's played a terrific center field. I think he's been terrific defensively. He's got a tremendous bat. And I was kind of drawn back by the fact that the Mets, David Stern specifically, and Carlos Mendoza named Harrison Bader as their center fielder. Now, Harrison Bader, don't get me wrong, strong defensive center fielder. He's a highlights reel type of center fielder, will go above and beyond his call of duty to make a catch. But what I'm concerned with is his bat. He's got some pop. He can steal bases. He's a pretty speedy guy, but he doesn't hit for a high enough average for the Mets to make him an everyday center fielder. I'm just saying. So with that said, Brandon Immo moves from center field to left where he'll be playing most of his games in left field. Uh, The big question here for Nimmo this year is going to be where is he going to be hitting in the lineup? He had 24 home runs last year. He might be a guy that the Mets might look to bring down in their everyday lineup because he's got that pop in his bat. Maybe he he can provide some uh, some big hits uh, if they lower him in the lineup where he can drive in more runs. That's not actually a bad idea if Starling Marte can, can stay healthy and play and, and be the leadoff guy. I don't see why not. I always felt that Nemo leading off and Marte being your second hitter uh, should should not be the case because I always felt that Marte should lead off because he's a speedy steal ba- a base stealer that if he got on base, you would allow Brandon Nemo, being that he's a good contact hitter, allow Starling Marte to steal second base and then possibly drive him in on a single or a double. But that's your lineup right now. And right now, third base is is, is the competition. And then obviously you have DH. DH is a position of need for the New York Mets. The DH position has been available in the National League for what? Three, four, five years now? I, 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 I even forget. And I always thought that the DH position was the position that was ultimately going to make the New York Mets lineup better. And that quite hasn't been the case since the DH has been implemented in the National League. The Mets have gotten it wrong year in and year out. And now this year, because the New York Mets, Steve Cohen specifically, will be paying the likes of Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander while they're playing for other teams and other players. Um, I just don't think he felt a need to go and spend an exuberant amount of money to bring in a full-time DH. 
So they felt that it would probably be better, it probably would be a good idea to just go internally. But if even if that's the case, the Mets need to get this right in 2024. Now, they came into the season with the idea that Mark Vientos was going to be your everyday DH. How that's possible, I have no idea. Because he could hit righties or he can hit lefties. He doesn't hit both. So how he can be an everyday DH is beyond me. I don't know. I don't know how that's possible. So you would still have to have a platoon at DH. So if Mark Vientos doesn't win the everyday job at their base and Beatty beats him out, Vientos is going to be part of your DH platoon. Who's going to be that other platoon? It could be DJ Stewart. It could be uh, Tyrone Taylor. It could be Trace Thompson, who I've been keeping a close eye on this spring so far because he's hitting the freaking cover off the ball. He's got a grand slam. I believe he's got two home runs. He's hitting very, very well this spring. He's here on a minor league deal with an invite to spring training. But if he continues this uh, hot streak with the bat, don't be surprised if he wins out a spot on the bench, if not as a DH for the New York Mets, and sent DJ Stewart down to the minors or Tyrone Taylor down to the minors. I'm going to keep a close eye on that. So the DH position obviously is up for grabs. Who that's going to be, we still don't know. Is it going to be Mark Vientos full-time? Is it going to be a platoon of Vientos and Stewart? Is it going to be a platoon of Vientos and uh, Trace Thompson? Is it going to be a platoon of DJ Stewart and Luke Voigt? Who knows? None of their bats except Trace Thompson has impressed anybody. DJ Stewart is struggling. Vientos until that home run today was struggling. Um, so who knows? That's going to be interesting to see. But if I was to uh, talk about, you know, first impressions, Tyler McGill, Trace Thompson, uh, Jose Buto has been pretty impressive. Uh, Adrian Hauser, I thought, was pretty impressive, even though, yes, again, small sample size. Uh, Pete Alonso has been on fire. He's 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 hit a whole bunch of doubles. I think he had a home run. Uh, he's been pretty impressive. And we'll talk about Pete Alonso in a minute. So right now, those are my first impressions. And uh, I'm just excited to continue following the New York Mets this spring training and keep an eye obviously on third base DH and the starting rotation and obviously the bullpen I mean even though pretty much the entire team is set in stone there's still one two maybe three positions that are yet still to be filled so we'll be watching those that competition very closely Pete Alonso Pete Alonso is a player in his final arbitration year. The Mets, uh, I think he was awarded, or maybe the Mets uh, gave him a one-year deal 
I think they settled on arbitration and came up, I think, with $20.5 million, or maybe it was $22.5 million. I forget which it was. Either which way, he's making $20-plus million for 2024. Many Mets fans feel that the Mets have had many opportunities prior to the 2024 season to sign Pete Alonso to an extension. And many feel, and many Mets fans are very disappointed that the New York Mets did not get a deal done. And a lot of Mets fans are feeling very anxious about what's going to happen after 2024 with Pete Alonso. Many feel he's going to be moved at the trade deadline. I can't see the possibility of Pete Alonso being moved at the trade deadline. And yes, a lot of Mets fans feel, yeah, yeah, Pete Alonso can be moved and then he can always come back and sign with the New York Mets as a free agent. What kind of message are you going to be sending to Pete Alonso if that's going to be the case? What kind of message would you be sending to Pete Alonso if you trade him at the deadline and think that you're going to be able to sign him as a free agent in the offseason? That's not going to be a good message that you sent to Pete Alonso if you do that. Unless Pete Alonso went to the New York Mets front office and said, hey, listen, I have every intention of negotiating a new deal with you guys. So if you feel if you feel it necessary to trade me, to bring in some more prospects, then, you know, I'm all for it. But unless Pete Alonso came forward and, uh, you know, and, and made that suggestion to the New York Mets, I can't see the New York Mets trading him and having um, a good chance of re-signing him in the offseason as a free agent. I just don't think that's going to be a good look. It's It's already been determined that Pete Alonso is going to head to free agency and test the open market. That was solidified by him firing his agent and hiring Scott Boris. Now, for those of you who don't know the history with Scott Boris, Scott Boris is probably one of the most elite, high-end agents in any sport. He gets top dollar for every single one of his clients, whether they're elite or just the average Joe. He will get you top dollar. And he is going to do that for Pete Alonzo. So once Pete Alonzo fired his agent and hired Scott Boris, the the likeliness of the Mets negotiating an extension with Pete Alonso went out the fucking window. Poof. It's no longer there. It's not going to happen because Scott Boris 
is the type of agent who will advise his clients, specifically those in the final year of arbitration, or if they're heading into the last year of their contract, to not negotiate, play out the season, bet on themselves, and hit the free agent market where there'll be 30-plus teams setting the market for your client. And that's going to be the case for the New York Mets and Pete Alonso heading into 2025. Pete Alonso will become a free agent. He will play out his final year with the New York Mets and will allow the free agent market to set a value for Pete Alonso. What that's going to be, we don't know. But let's just hypothetically say that the New York Mets came forward and approached Pete Alonso and Scott Boris about an extension and offered him, let's say hypothetically, $35 million a year for eight years. Because Pete Alonso is going to be 31 years old, I think, next year. I think he's turning 30 this year. He's turned 30. So a 10-year contract would not be suitable. I'm sorry. I am sick and tired of teams giving 30-year-old players 10-year contracts to where those contracts will expire when that player becomes 40. I just don't think that baseball teams, baseball owners should give long-term contracts to players that are 30 years old, specifically 10-year deals. I think an eight-year deal is too long for Pete Alonso because he'll be 38. You don't know that Pete Alonso is going to be able to perform at 38 like he was at 30-plus. But that's just me. But let's just say hypothetically the Mets approached Pete Alonso and Scott Boris and said, hey, we're going to give you an, we want to offer you an extension for $35 million a year for eight years. Do you think Pete Alonso is going to say no to that? He's not going to say no to that. Because I guarantee you there's not going to be one team that's going to offer $35 million to Pete Alonso on the open market. So to me, in a situation like that, the New York Mets would be outbidding themselves by quite a few million dollars. So in a way, the Mets are doing a good thing here by allowing Pete Alonso to hit the open market, letting the market set his value, and then take it from there. Because the open market value for Pete Alonso could be $28 million, could be $30 million, which means the $35 million that they would have offered him on an extension they would have overpaid him anywhere from 5 to $7 million a season. That's a lot of money, even for the likes of Steve Cohen, who learned the hard way last year that going for it with the likes of Justin Verlander and Max Scherzer was not the correct route. It came back and bit him on the ass. And now he traded them away. They're no longer here, but he is still paying them. 
yeah, he got a good return on his investment with the prospects he got in return, but those prospects aren't quite Major League Baseball ready yet. So this is a good situation for the New York Mets, and I think it's a great situation for Pete Alonso because both Pete Alonso and the New York Mets are going to see what his true value on the open market is without the Mets ever making an offer for an extension. Trust me, if Pete Alonso wants to be here, as he may or may not have uh, hinted, because I'm pretty sure that his agent, Scott Boris, has advised him against making any kind of statements where he says, I want to be here, I want to be a New York Met, I am happy to be a New York Met, or anything to, to, to that reference. He's mentioned that he loves it here in New York. He's mentioned that his family loves it here in New York. But he's never mentioned the word New York Mets. Because he wants all the leverage, the, as much leverage as he can possibly get in negotiations by not committing to saying that he wants to be a New York Met, that he wants to be here next season, that there's no other place that he wants to be but the New York Mets and City Field. Because once he does that, the Mets are going to use that against him. So the market for Pete Alonso. Again, I'm just being hypothetical here. Should be around thirty million dollars a year, not thirty-five million. I don't know how many teams are going to make offers to Pete Alonso. I haven't even looked to see how many teams are going to be needing a first baseman next year. The New York Yankees will most likely be interested in knowing what it would take to get Pete Alonso to wear. Yankee pinstripes. They possibly have some money coming off the books next year. So we'll see. The Mets obviously are going to need a first baseman. Thankfully, the Dodgers don't need one because they have Freeman. Thankfully, Atlanta doesn't need one because they have uh, Molson. So, but I'm sure... I'm sure there aren't going to be 30 teams bidding for Pete Alonzo's services, but there will be a handful, maybe more, that will be interested in finding out what it would take to get Pete Alonzo to sign. But in the end, if Pete Alonzo truly wants to be in a New York Mets uniform 2025 and beyond, Whatever offer he gets, he'd be stupid not to take that to the New York Mets and say either match it or step up and give me more. So if the market value for Pete Alonso is, say, $28 million, 
Steve Cohen will have no problem adding $2 million on top of that and give him $30 million a year for eight years. I couldn't see a scenario where Steve Cohen wouldn't do that. We'll see. Not only are the Mets going to be looking to pay Pete Alonso in the offseason, but they're going to be right back in the same situation they were in this offseason with pitching. Jose Quintana is going to be a free agent. I believe Adrian Hauser is going to be a free agent. Luis Severino is going to be a free agent. Shomanaya, if he doesn't opt out, if he does opt out of his contract because he has an opt-out after one year, could become a free agent as well, which means the Mets will be looking to fill four spots in the rotation come 2025. There's going to be a pretty nice class of free agents as far as starting pitching is concerned in 2025. Zach Wheeler is one of those. Uh, Bueller of the Dodgers is another. Um... Gary Cole, if he opts out, is going to be another. There's going to be an assortment of Corbin Burns, who was just traded to the Baltimore Orioles, is going to be a free agent. Uh, Max Freed of the Atlanta Braves is going to be a free agent. So there's going to be more than a handful of pitchers, elite pitchers, top-of-the-line pitching available on the free agent market after 2024. So it's going to be interesting to see what the New York Mets do. Pete Alonso is probably the only guy they're going to be looking to bring back after 2024. He's going to be I think he's the only free agent. I think Stalin Marte is under contract for I think this season and next. So Steve Cohen is going to have a lot of money to spend next year because Max Scherzer will come off the books. Justin Verlander may as well come off the books too because he's going to miss a good portion of the start of the season. So unless he meets his uh, innings pitched, his contract for 2025 is going to be void. So that means that Steve Cohen wouldn't have to pay the $17.5 million owed to Justin Verlander if he doesn't meet uh, that clause in the contract. So, those were my first impressions thus far this spring. That was my take on Pete Alonso. Uh, he's going to have a whole assortment of issues. He's going to be facing the question 162 times this year. And I'm hoping that he doesn't allow that to become a distraction for him because. The media is going to push for an answer. And even though Pete Alonso and or the New York Mets come forward and say there will be no negotiation during the course of the 2024 season, the media is still going to want to know what the contract status is on Pete Alonso. So the Mets, Mendoza, David Stearns, Pete Alonso, Scott Boris, they're all going to be asked a question. It is going to be a distraction. Pete Alonso has not hit less than 37 home runs in a season except for the COVID season. 
So he's unless he stays on track and stays focused on what he needs to do on the field and avoids all the distractions, I can't see Pete Alonso having a bad year. This is a contract year for him. I truly believe that when it's all said and done, Pete Alonso is going to be in a New York Mets uniform, and eventually he is going to destroy a lot of New York Mets records, home runs, RBIs specifically. And I can't wait for that to happen because I want no one right now more so than Pete Alonso to break those records. It was supposed to be David Wright, but unfortunately for him, his injury kept him out. He had to retire early, and he was not able to break those records. But Pete Alonso is the next guy up, and I believe that if he stays here beyond 2024, he's going to do just that. All right, guys, if you like this episode, please, please give me a, a thumbs up. If you didn't, give me a thumbs down. Post your comments below. Let me know what you think, what your first impressions of the New York Mets so far this spring have been. Who you think is going to be in that rotation? Who do you think is going to get that final spot in the bullpen? Who do you think is going to be on the bench? Who's going to win the third base job? Let me know in the comments below. I would love to hear back from you. Till the next time, check me out on social media at Fancast Live. You can find me on Instagram, X, Facebook, Snapchat, and TikTok. Plenty of content out there. Check out the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcast, or any podcast platform you desire. If you want to be part of the show, you want to be a special guest, or you want to reach out to me personally, email me at fancastlive at gmail.com. All right, till the next time, peace out. Let's go, Mets. Cool